Uh, hello, welcome once more to the podcast of Cadmus Change. Uh, I am Bly, and here I am with uh, Pio. Hello, Pio. How are you? Hello, hi, good morning. I'm good great. morning. I'm great. <laughs> great. Um, and well, today we wanted to continue our discussions um, this week with the succession policy and the case of Unilever, but First, uh, well, l last time we discussed very interesting, uh, a very interesting topic about the innovation and the case of Toyota, right, Pio? That's correct. Yeah, and well, I hope that by now the people can uh, already be familiar with that case and what we discussed, so you know already a little bit how we are going to do it today. Um, Tell us, Pio, um, why why succession policy and succession planning? Why we are touching this topic? Well, I remember when we first started to define the cases we could use and the topics we could touch upon uh, while discussing the cognitive flexibility, we just couldn't skip the topic because the first is business are the people, and the second is and um, um, well. Today, this day and age, with the aging society in, well, most of the developed countries, the succession policy at the company is really getting to be a problem. Um, we also discussed it, I think, as one of the closing points uh, during the last uh, podcast. Um, what you see, uh, for example, in Germany, there is 80% of companies or family companies. And in 60% of these cases, there is no one to take over the business. There can be willingness, there can be, uh, well, no one to inherit, there may be a lack of interest, but it's it, the fact is 60% of businesses will not uh, have a successor with, from within the company, from within the family. That makes, of course, the, um, the case way more problematic. And this is on the level of the small and medium-sized companies, which are, by the way, the, most, the, the main fuel for the, for the economy. But the same problem, exactly the same problem, uh, appears to happen on the level of the multinationals, corporations, and also the worldwide conglomerates. Why? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And that's the so so we are facing the challenge of lacking the continuity for business we are creating. It couldn't be anything worse than this because you built. If you look at the at the uh, the management books like the one from Good to Great, when the of course, the five-level leader is supposed to build a business that will also be his legacy and will be there long after he's gone. And if you would have this as a goal, then, ladies and gentlemen, I think the, most of the businesses around the world now would have a big problem. But in fact, it should be the leadership approach that the management has, and it should be the main target for the management. That means not to fill in their own pockets, 
and make sure that the business will be sold eventually, but to create the legacy to the business, secure the workplaces, the jobs, but also secure the future of research development, sales, technology development of particular business and business units. So you see, that's why the innovation is at stake. That's why the succession, I'm sorry, is at stake because there is no enough focus to it. It can mm-hmm. be what I, from what I uh, um, could maybe point out very shortly, a small matter sometimes of a personal aspect, like an, a problem with, you know, giving up the power of the companies or giving up the management steer wheel to a younger generation. It can be differences in approach. It can be that there is just a, an ego problem at some companies but can be also that there is a, just not enough focus on building the strategic team, and then it can be just simply too late. Yeah. Uh, so you, that's the, yeah. You you know it's very interesting what you are saying because uh, well we have discussed this in the, in the past in several occasions, but every time that we go back to this point, I feel like it's uh, reality right now. Companies are focusing a lot in what they are doing right now, but the environment that they create for this succession planning, it's not there or is at least uh, lacking on strategy. Um, Companies can be focused on, okay, what is happening right now? And yes, they might have a strategy for the future, but when the succession and why they want to promote with this and which skills they want to have in 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 their leaders and what they want to promote for the culture of the company to be this is not something that they can see right now but it's something that it might be just an estimation of the future and that's what i i think it's complicated so i think that uh, it's crucial to have a set it uh, established uh, idea of certain qualities that the companies need to promote and need to and they need to find in people so they can really harvest this talent and this uh, potential from the people that are already in the company and not as you said at the beginning not wait just for being bought or for at certain point hiring someone from other company just because they don't even want to look into their human potential. Um, So uh, that's why I think that it's so interesting that uh, we have this case of Unilever, uh, that they have a a planning. Tell us a little bit uh, about the the strategy of uh, Unilever. What what are they doing? Well, first of all, if you look at the Unilever, there is a a huge amount of employees that are promoted from within the organization and that have a possibility to grow and build up their their career within the company coming from that company. Well, to give you an example, just Harvard Business School in the last issue of their um, Harvard Business Review, I think that was from the July and August, they uh, just um, uh, published the article about uh, the fact that only 35% around, uh, out of my head, around 35% uh, of uh, uh, companies are promoting from within. 
So that is already a problem because it is already a big problem for a culture, potentially for a culture. Plus, it costs much more money if you take a person from outside than if you promote from inside. That's just how the way. That's just the way it is. And so that's that's what Unilever is trying successfully to avoid. And um, and the second is what is the um, Unilever doing is they are looking. 10 years ahead and maybe 15 years ahead in terms of the talent development. Maybe not like promoting this, but it's just what they, what you, what you see, just looking at the discipline that they have in reviewing the talent and in the management reviews that they are putting in place. Well, you know, most of the companies are trying to be as lean as possible nowadays. The personal departments are being really loaded with uh, huge mountains of work uh, just to keep up with the daily priorities. You know, find me companies where the HR would say, well, you know, we have this luxury, we can think about what we need in five or ten years time, and we're just going to focus on this for a significant amount of time that this topic requires and deserves. Well, mostly that's not the case. Of course, everyone says, uh, the, 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 the succession planning is important, but you know, if it comes down to the praxis, they will just write down the memo or have a, um, a, a policy guidelines on a paper. However, will it be really something that is living in a company? Is it really with focus, attract, develop, retain the talent? And by retain, meaning keep the talent long enough at the company that he will actually have the possibility to grow. Well, that's, I think, for really most of the companies, just not the case. And, um, and that's actually the fact that it's not the case. So Unilever is going against these trends. And what they did is that, well, they said the most important part of our business is a succession planning. That was their uh, Swedish CEO back in the days, a couple of years ago, said that that was the mm. most important part of the business is to, to, to have the succession planning in place. Uh, and so the continuity. Huh? And uh, mm -hmm. so what you say is that they are uh, listing the individuals, uh, maybe just, uh, just to, to, to give it a snap, how big is the program? They said mm -hmm. the management system that they have in place, it really um, applies to 100% of the management force. Huh? So it's really every manager is being uh, uh, um, as, as a subject to this um, management system, and, and, and it applies to him. And four out of five systems in 100% of all the units are being also part to this system. That means everyone and top four levels of each division go through this process. That means there is no coincidence mm -hmm. in how they promote and who they promote. It is like the well-oiled machine. So just mm -hmm. maybe I'll just briefly give you the three, three points uh, uh, that I prepared here as a note to tell you how they actually do it. So the first is that, okay, well, the human resource planning program, they, they have a concept, and, uh, and in, uh, based on that concept, the individuals are listed for the next level, 
and uh, then all of employees that uh, that are there on this list go through a process of evaluation development uh, just to see okay who has what kind of potential and how they perform of course which kind of career path could be a, of course um, applicable to the particular em employee and colleague then the step one is the management development schedule provides a snapshot of, of each employee um, so basically in this in this system they have uh, the summary of each employee his history career history uh, his development and also information about his mobility uh, was he already having an international career or is he up to having one is he flexible is he less flexible due to certain aspects so just to have in the loop, the main information that are crucial about the individual while making a step. Second point is listing nomination form. So managers who want to submit a, a lister, a person that will get on that list, they need to complete and rate the individual's behavior. So, you know, that's really not a couple of points. It's really a sophisticated system that is adjusted here and as uh, applies for Unilever and so every manager that is submitting a candidate they need to really also from his own perspective give the feedback knowing of course that the other people give feedback about these managers that, that they will all at some point of course by HR um, give a feedback and also a big picture about uh, who is lister who is listening him what are these two people, what they have in common, what kind of profiles they are. And of course, that, that helps to, um, to see also what kind of personalities are promoting what kind of personalities. And also to give you the idea, do we have, uh, um, how you say it, the um, complementary team? Because we also have, of course, different individuals that you need uh, to create the, the successful uh, team. So number three is the succession plans. They, well, uh, they are completed. They're being made and, and, and tailored made for the senior and key positions. Uh, over there, you focus on the um, unit boards and key management below the board level. And here to give the um, information about okay, who is or who are the members of the of the uh, boards of particular units. This is just the, the management of a given unit, they, they create the board. So there is no an extra layer on top of it. If there are people actually involved in the business that are creating the board of that business. So that's of course also very, um, very important and make sure that the organization is pretty flat and uh, not that political and to make sure that the communication channels are be well as short as, as possible. A management system also applies then as, as I said to 100% of the workforce and they all go through these three scales that we described. Mm -hmm. um, and what you see is that they look um, based on these three levels, they look okay, what we can do about it. So we know we graded these people, we know what their careers were, we know where they come from, we know what we can do with them, but then we, of course, see which areas they're good, which skills and competences these people have, in which areas they need to be developed, what key assignments they went through and what key assignments maybe we can give them. And uh, based on that, the uh, person responsible for uh, career uh, um, developing together, of course, with the Grammy Minute team, 
is assigning people to the projects that are the best for them, not only based on what they can do today, but based on, okay, what we want that person to learn the next two years. So you see also that this career path here plays a major role because you won't give the managers as, as broad ex range of expertise as possible. So they always sometimes just, just throw them into the cold water, mm -hmm. deep water, sending them in a, 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 for, for one or two years somewhere um, uh, far away from home, sometimes probably uh, to, the, um, to the department that people have no experience with just to make sure that they will be out of their comfort zone, develop their skills, and come back and uh, maybe, of course, get some more executive role in that particular department, but in their own domestic environment. Because yeah. then they know, okay, if they survive over there, it will be much easier for them to find themselves in an optimal environment. Huh? And yeah. uh, so this, this, this transition, Jose, is... Um, well, make sure that the future development of the company is, uh, is smooth and that uh, yeah. basically that they will keep their standards no matter what. And I think this is the key word is here, the mm -hmm. standard, the structure, the strategy, and the measurement, the metrics. If you, metric, if you have the measurements for it, if you have the big yeah. data, if you know how and who you promote, what you do with them, then you make sure that you access the best talent within the company that you promote the best and the brightest to the leadership yeah. position and you give them the broad and complex uh, opportunity to, to develop. Yeah, you, you have mentioned so, so many interesting things, Peter. Uh, at the beginning, for example, the first thing uh, costs uh, this structure within the company to promote the inner talent. It's uh, completely uh, rational decision because you are really saving money. You don't need to even go and search for people to compensate what you have because you already are building those, uh, let's say, solutions. The people, you're building them in order to cover certain places that you already know that you need. So it's yeah. uh, completely logical, and I am wondering right now why not uh, more companies are, are doing something like this. And also the culture, preserving the culture of a company is very important. We know this from uh, a lot of companies that uh, they put their main emphasis in co uh, the culture, the environment. Uh, however, mm, they cannot expect uh, for people that come from other companies to uh, be included directly in that uh, culture that is built. Um, what better solution for these things to build really leadership that embrace a culture and can promote it and can and understand which is the, let's say, the needs from uh, the people that are in in more uh, dynamic or frontline uh, works uh, compared to the ones that are uh, maybe just in management and sitting like giving orders everybody if it if there is a career path when the people get to the most senior positions they will not have that problem of disconnection which is something that happens a lot in big enterprises that people on top don't know what is going on in the field 
and then the decisions are not taken in the correct direction. This can really solve that problem. And of course, the the objective to have well-rounded leaders, uh, the leaders that they have are not the ones that, uh, let's say, they they try to find somewhere because they are lacking of this. No, they are really building what they need, the company. Mm -hmm. And that's very interesting because um, let's say that Unilever is creating an environment where the perspectives are wider. And this is so important because uh, the people that continue growing in their le leadership positions as you said, they can really be put in a situation in which they are not exactly that comfortable with, but it's precisely what they need in order to get to the next level. And that's yes. if if we know what someone is lacking, we can try to improve it or not lacking something maybe that person didn't have the opportunity before to be in an environment to even prove that they have a skill. So that's, yeah. that's um, something related with the, what we were talking last time about cognitive flexibility. Um, a way to be, uh, let's say, uh, aware uh, of the need of being uh, flexible, uh, cognitive flexible, um, is related with, have the, uh, with having the opportunity to, to really show that you are, or at least that uh, for you to realize how you can adapt to certain situations so either you can put more effort on it or uh, you can decide, yeah, that's not uh, for me. But that's all in an environment in which the opportunity exists. In this way, which in, with a standard way of measuring this, uh, you know that you will have the possibility if you have the capacity and if you have the energy. So there is a possibility. You know that there is an instructor and that you can improve so you have more motivation to get to those levels in which the management will put you, you know, to, to challenge yourself, to, to give you different uh, tasks, um, really gives more opportunities to to assess to assess talent and skills i wanted to to let's say uh, link this with the skills uh, you said um, be, uh, the data that the companies are gathering about the skills of the people or how we perform um, now there are a lot of tools uh, that are related with talent science and these talent science tools really try to uh, create profiles of the best suitable candidates for certain positions. They are even using artificial intelligence uh, or machine learning uh, to try to improve the way how these uh, talent science tools work. And big enterprises are trying to in, uh, incorporate into their, um, let's say, human resources processes to attack something like this, you know, like you, get a good talent and then you know that your investment can grow within the company um what i am thinking about is yes uh, but without a clear path this talent science strategy can be 
let's say, lost in the middle. Because, yes, they get the best talent for a position, but then they, they don't have the opportunity for this person to show what uh, they can do. And that's, uh, let's say, something that uh, started to to buzz in my head, you know. Um, for example, in a, in an environment of transformation, a company is going to, through changes, and suddenly the, the needs are not the same uh, because uh, for some reason maybe they didn't predict or they didn't expect that so many changes were going to happen. And then how many companies have a strategy in order to select the people that are most, more suitable for changes? Um, yeah. Suddenly the director that was very good managing a team because they were very procedural and they were doing the things in a very structured way, they don't have that anymore that structure, but now they are in an uncertain uh, state. Well, um, it's very interesting because uh, some uh, some weeks ago I read an article by uh, Boston Consulting Group in which they touched the topic of uh, uh, the difference between of um, a biological approach compared to a mechanical approach in the way how we see the let's say the the change in the companies you know we, with all the digital revolution uh, industry of 4.0 the inclusion of artificial intelligence okay so which are the leaders that we need for this uh, situation in which everything is changing faster you know and we have agreed that uh, in order for a company to preserve their culture and to save money and to really have the best human potential in the company, they need a strategy, a succession strategy, succession planning, so they can identify why they need and promote those skills and those people inside the company. If you don't know what you need, you cannot do this. So <laughs> the first thing that the company yeah. should do is to understand which are the skills that they need because in Unilever, yes, they have the uh, structure in three different uh, moments, uh, or uh, how how we can call them. Um, I think it's a three, maybe three different processes that they have yeah. for it. Uh, and, and as a part of the system, yeah. Exactly. So, but that that system can be completely different to uh, for another company that does something of different, course. and so that's the first thing. It's not about following one, but having one. <laughs> yeah. And then... Yeah, and this... I mean, here, here we have also to say, we need to say, of course, the universe is not the only company that does it. Huh? There is like really ah. plenty of the other companies that also are successful. One that you just mentioned is the Boston Consulting Group, which is also very strict and, uh, and uh, consequent in how they... Um, um, measure the performance of the teams and also make sure for the proper and adjusted uh, succession plan. But, well, we just focus on the Unilever because they just, those guys just do it very, very well. And yeah. we thought if you see that most of companies lack um, the plan and the structure and execution for most of this plan, um, uh, then, then it's a topic that needs to be addressed. And uh, what is the better uh, way to do it than just use the example of a successful company that is 
doing it in a proper way, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, that that was my intention, you know, like uh, if we say that uh, Unilever is performing well, they have won, and the idea is right now, maybe the environment would not be uh, precisely the calm waters in which the, the companies can sit and start thinking about it without worrying that the changes can come. You know, and since we are uh, orienting our topics in uh, to change management and everything, I, I thought that it was, it's it's good to to put how this situation in a moment in which the company uh, is going through a transformational process, uh, like how they can affront this. You know, because uh, they say, okay, we want to change, but we have already a structure, so. This structure should be disrupted, uh, should be changed, um, and I say no and yes, <laughs> uh, because mm -hmm. the culture is very important, mm -hmm. even through change. You don't, you need uh, the vertebral uh, axis, so the new things can come and grow better. And that's what I mentioned, the biological approach versus the mechanical approach, because the mechanical approach will be to just propose a system, established way of doing the things. But in this article, they say like, well, uh, you need, a, a, let's say, an environment or a strategy that focuses on adapting, no. on sh shaping, on allowing new approaches and uh, to focus on resilience. And why they say this? Because, yes, we know that a person that knows programming can uh, write code. But a person that is resilient might not uh, know coding, but can learn. <laughs> And yeah. the, the the idea is that in some cases uh, the companies will not know what they need. And uh, what I see interesting is that then the most valuable person that you will have in your team is that one that will take the challenge and will try to, with their knowledge, to find uh, uh, an answer and to collaborate with other perspective and to finally come up with something new. And what I'm saying this, because uh, related with flexibility, again. <laughs> um, what I want to say is that if we include cognitive flexibility in one of those skills, or let's say uh, potential desirable skills that a company uh, needs, in when they design their succession planning, they might be really uh, preventing a situation in which they will not have people to handle this. If they pay attention since the beginning, since their, uh, let's say, uh, talent science uh, planning when they are recruiting, uh, they can really pick between two people that they both have similar skills, but one have a better tendency for flexibility. They know that in a fast-changing environment, they will be performing very well. 
And this is just a suggestion, you know, the, we have uh, our ideas about how this flexibility also appears in other uh, important topics in, in, in the industry. So I think that in this case, for me, the most important thing about flexibility in this case is that it's a key factor and that can help companies in a moment of uh, change that the people that they want in their teams and the leadership teams and even in, in the in the frontline leaders that uh, we need to pay attention to that uh, capacity and how we assess that and how we can find it and promote it in the people because it can really help in in moments of uh, when things need to be done. <laughs> yeah. No, I yeah. think also the 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 what what I see is that the huge role that HR should be playing in all the organizations because that's the one department that is actually overviewing all of the units and has direct uh, contact to the to the CEO and it's just what you see is that the 70% of all the companies, <clears throat> according to the statistics, uh, in the 70% of all the companies, HR has merely an administrative function, and only in more, a little bit more than a 10%. <clears throat> the HR is a true um, and, 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 and a seriously taken business partner and advisor for the board. And I think that needs to shift because if you want a succession politics, succession planning, you need to have a person that will be in lead of it. And it just a CEO is not able due to the time, lack of time to, um, to make that happen across the organization. So actually the HR would be the most suitable to take up that role. That's, I think, one of the advices I would give to all the business owners is to um, talk to your HR. If you don't have an HR, get one. If you're a small company, then, well, you need to be your own HR. But in general, you need to uh, focus on this succession politics. And if the company is big enough, you need the help with it. That's one. The second is why company, because this also, Jose, what you said, is that a lot of companies uh, are not promoting from within, and the question is why. And uh, actually, I I tend to think that sometimes it's just a very psychological reason for that, and that would be in that case, as I think and and believe it is, um, grass is always greener. I think that's what people think. They think, well, yeah, you need to develop a talent here. Let's just take something from someone from outside from a good company, he needs or she needs to be the one that we need. And actually then, without knowing a person, they just create the vision, ideal vision of who that person is, of course, based on a couple of interviews and an assessment, which is completely fine, of course, because you need to work with something. But the point is you have less of a picture of a person that you're hiring from outside than you have of a person you know for years with ups and downs and promoting that person from inside because then you know, okay, what kind of skills the person has and what this person doesn't have. And that's just much more overviewing. But the, since the most of managers, they think, yeah, I don't like this and that and that person, let's take someone completely new. 
you know, and that's and that that can be, of course, because sometimes companies are just growing very fast and need to do it. But I think, and I'm not against uh, promoting from outside. I just want to say, grass is always greener. Shouldn't be the policy to follow the strategy of mostly promoting people from outside because it also does something to your current team if they see that the only guys that are coming for managerial roles are the guys from outside. They'll never be motivated. They'll never be felt that they are taken seriously. So the company should promote from inside and look for the outside talent only if really necessary and if the in-house doesn't provide them with the one. Because knowing person is a really priceless thing, even knowing and maybe especially knowing the weaknesses of that person because that's what it, what, the way it is. Of course, no one is perfect, and we need to allocate and assign the project to a person based of, on his and her skills, desires, ambitions. So yes. that being said, um, yeah, I, I really like the Unilever, how they do it, and I hope that more, more company will uh, focus on the succession planning because if they want, I think in 10 years, to 20 years, we have a very big problem. And there will be a lot of companies that will be ready to be sold because they will be just very damaged from the inside and without any planning to how to move forward. Totally. And it's a pity that the companies that already have uh, their human resources department and they are not putting uh, enthusiasm on really uh, trying to understand their own workforce and how how they are performing and maybe paying a little bit more attention on the skills and really trying to understand what they have. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, Plus, they are... sometimes look has a connotation. Sometimes the HR, if you sometimes talk to people, they say like, yeah, HR. And they just have this idea of person just pushing, copying some papers. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, and that's, so that's really a big connotation this job has because in yeah. fact, that's in my opinion, the, really this, the, the, the one of the most important position within the company. And it's just how you picture it, how you see it, and what's your vision. But if you only think HR is like this comp- this this person that is like smiling <laughs> and uh, preparing signing the coffee the contracts. and signing the contracts, <laughs> well, then, then I think you have the problem with succession. If you don't have now, uh-huh. you will have soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We we should talk one day only about the HR department and the companies yeah. <laughs> and, and see how, how we can improve it. Well, uh, thank you very much, Pio. It was very interesting uh, how we can really discuss the, the succession planning. And, um, well, next time I think that we are going to discuss uh, the case of Nokia and uh, the flexibility, how they went from... Uh, very big company, almost the sole uh, owner of the mobile industry to nothing almost, and then how they are rising again, uh, taking new approaches, uh, new strategies, being flexible about the market, getting into 5G. Uh, Yeah, I am enthusiastic about this topic. Uh, What do you can say about... No, it's just very shortly. It's a company that is founded in 1865, and they uh, they are known for being very flexible, creating the markets, creating the trends, and uh, 
and never giving up. And I think that's also what a cognitive, uh, um, that's one of the aspects of cognitive flexibility that we can see and apply for our management skills. And that's why we're going to see in this change in approach a business and also flexibility in that. So, um, yeah. Perfect. uh, I'm looking forward. Yes. Yeah, me too. Um, I think that you need to to go fast, right? Yes, yes. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Great. Thank you very much, Pio. Uh, uh, Happy to have you again here. And yeah, uh, see you next time. Thank you, Blay. Have a good one. And thank Thank you you. to all the listeners. Hope that you enjoyed it. And uh, we... Uh, Well, we'll get back to you in the next couple of days. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.